go ahead and invite uh, Jay Schiffman up to share his story. So let's give it up for Jay. Welcome to the Choose Your Struggle podcast. I am your host, Jay Schiffman. Welcome back to another episode of the Choose Your Struggle podcast. This is being recorded the week of April 20th. We are on episode 8. Uh, special shout out to today. It is 420. What's up? The episode this week is pretty cool. But before we get into that, I want to tell a, a very embarrassing story. See, embarrassment is not a feeling that I get a lot. My wife uh, will confirm that if you ever talk to her, that I will be the one in the crowd dropping it down when no one else is dancing. That's just who I am. But here is a time, <laughs> here is a memory that is pretty embarrassing. So when I was in middle school, I had uh, a huge crush on two people, one of whom I will say their name. It was an actress that we all know. Maybe you love her. Maybe you don't. Jennifer Love Hewitt. I don't know why. I couldn't even tell you a movie back then that I saw her in. Maybe, I don't know. There were a lot, but who knows what it was. I just thought she was amazing. And the other one was a young woman in my school. And <laughs> being the special little seventh grader that I was, uh, y'all remember like Trapper Keepers? How cool were those, right? I wrote both of their names on my Trapper Keeper in like whiteout, I think it was. Very large letters, you know, because if you're going to do it, do it big. I think that's a that's a song. Anyway, <laughs> so if that's not embarrassing enough, um, someone else liked at least one of those women, the young woman in my school. We went on a date, this this girl and I, the way that you do in seventh grade. We went to a movie and we held hands. So precious, I know. Uh, of course, I had a friend there and so did she. But hey, this was seventh grade. She was in eighth grade. I know. What's up? But somebody else liked her. And I think he also liked Jennifer Love Hewitt because this was the late 90s and like, you know, most boys loved Jennifer Love Hewitt. So <laughs> he stole my Trapper Keeper and like threw it away, <laughs> which is ridiculous because it had all of my work in it. And so I had to go to all these teachers and be like, yeah, you know, it was stolen. And there was no proof this dude did it, but he he did it. And shout out to my advisor. Uh, her name was Mrs. Fox. She's amazing. I hope somehow she hears this. She knows I think she's amazing. Like, we we have talked um, recently. She is now the principal of the grade school attached to the school that I went to. But she was, like, my guardian in middle school when I was suspended uh, from school in, in sixth grade, I think it was, seventh grade. I don't remember. For getting into a fight with a kid who was an anti-Semite. Um, we both got suspended because I kicked his ass, and because he was an anti-Semite. And she let me serve the uh, suspension by just sitting in her office all day while we talked. Like, that's how amazing this woman is. Uh, she watched over me a lot. But anyway, she, <laughs> when I told her what happened, she was like, well, obviously that's bad. You shouldn't steal, and I will talk to that person. But also, 
maybe if you didn't write those people's names on your Trapper Keeper, you wouldn't get it stolen. You know, she was like, look, uh, don't steal. I'm going to take care of that. But also maybe try to tone it down a little bit. (laughs) So uh, that's super funny to me. Um, Also very embarrassing that my, my sort of middle school savior had to tell me that writing real people's names, uh, you know, uh, look, I think it's really funny that no one ever gave that spiel to, you know, middle school girls, or maybe they did. Maybe they were like, don't write Justin Timberlake or any of the other boy bands on your Trapper Keepers. I don't know. But here I was, the seventh grade boy, and they were like, eh, don't do that. So uh, it's a very funny memory, also a very embarrassing one to me. Uh, (laughs) Middle school was a tough time for everybody. That's what I'm trying to say. And also, you know, sometimes I do get embarrassed. So anyway, (laughs) the uh, episode today, pretty great. The shout out is Diallo Riddle. Diallo Riddle, if you watched Marlin, uh, which you should, it's very funny. He was on there. He's one of the co-stars of Marlin. But he is best known uh, for winning an Emmy for his writing on the Late Night with Jimmy Fallon show. That's how I first heard about him. Um, seen him in Marlin a bit, but obviously know him better for his work on the Jimmy Fallon show. Um, he was also in Silicon Valley, if that's a thing that you are into. And the interview this week is, I don't normally do trigger warnings. Actually, it's really fascinating if you search for sort of the psychological science behind trigger warnings, there's a pretty even split between people who say they help or people who say they actually make things worse. Uh, Really fascinating if that's a thing that you enjoy. I am going to give a slight trigger warning today, though, because my guest, Amanda Webster, gets into some pretty serious stuff in her conversation with me. Uh, She is, like myself, a suicide attempt survivor. She is now a health coach and uh, an author. She's just amazing. Search her online. Go to her website, amandawebsterhealth.com. Make sure you type in the health part because she lives in Arizona. And if you just type in Amanda Webster, there's a story about a woman being murdered in Arizona, but the same name, which I searched and I was like, oh, God, oh, my God, I just talked to her. And then I realized it was a different person. Also, follow her on Instagram. She is huge on Instagram. She's a model and cosplayer and all that kind of fun stuff. So really great person. You'll really enjoy this interview. And stick around after the interview for the Choose Your Card and your Good Egg for this week. Thank you for everyone who continues to reach out. As always, you can find me at The Next Shiftman on Instagram. And that's S-H-I-F-M-A-N, that's how you spell my last name, at J.B. Schiffman on Twitter. J. Schiffman, J-A-Y-S-H-I-F-M-A-N, is LinkedIn and Facebook. And then my website, www.jayshifman. You'll hear the ad on here for bracelets, as you always do, so definitely keep requesting those. They continue to fly out the door, and it makes me super happy. Keep reaching out. I've had a lot of people reach out wanting to be a part of this, so you'll hear some of them on upcoming episodes, both as the shout-out and a couple of actual interviews, which is awesome. Keep requesting that. I would love to have 
this booked out for the next year. Like, that would be amazing. So keep reaching out. All right. Enjoy both the shout out and the interview, and I'll catch you at the end of the episode. Hey, uh, this is Diallo Riddle. Uh, I play Stevie on Marlin, and um, I got a request from Jay Schiffman just to share a very important message with you. There's nothing more cool than caring about mental health. Mental health is the most important uh, sort of like underlying uh, situation going on in not just our country, but around the world. Uh, we really need to address issues of mental health. And, uh, and I just want to say personally that, uh, you know, there's nothing more awesome than uh, people in recovery. Whatever it takes for you to uh, recover from whatever addiction and uh, mental health issue that you're dealing with, um, just know that I and many others do support you. And, uh, you know, we just... Uh, let's get to uh, let's get to some solutions and let's have you know a good time, especially after this uh, coronavirus is done. All right, uh, shout out to Jay Schiffman and uh, keep up the good work, sir. Take care. Hey y'all, thank you so much to everyone who keeps reaching out requesting a bracelet. For a reminder to those of you who have not yet, super easy. All you have to do is go to my website www.jayshiffman.com. Go to the Contact Me page and reach out there. Tell me if you want a purple bracelet for addiction awareness or a green bracelet for mental health awareness. And then give me your address and I'll send it out. It's that easy. It's like, hey, with one click, you get a free bracelet. No ifs, ands, or buts. So reach out today. Tell me what you're looking for. Tell me that my podcast is resonating with you. I want to hear from you. Thanks so much. Back to the episode. Huge shout out to my podcast sponsor, Mountain Made CBD. Mountain Made is changing the CBD game by offering a line of high-dose CBD tablets at an affordable price. Their products are THC-free and third-party tested for accuracy, cleanliness, and potency. Their products, which now ship nationwide, include Build for CBD saturation, Boost for precision titration, and Recover for rest and rehab. With nine years' experience in hemp and fitness, Mountain Maid's founders are focused on creating a quality CBD product to help those with activated lifestyles. Check out www.mountainmade.life to find out more about how their product can help you crush your life. And you know I'm all about that. Remember, their products ship nationwide. So go check out the website today and follow them on social media at Mountain Maid. And also, listen to Episode 7 with Mountain Maid founder, Mike Passion. All right, back to the episode. Hi, I'm Amanda. I'm a mind-body wellness coach and certified yoga instructor, and I am super excited to be here today. So we always start with the story. Uh, I know that from reading your website and from the little bit we've chatted, uh, that's not going to be a hard press for you. You're very open about that. And so it's something that, that I appreciate. That's definitely something that I talk to a lot of people about. I'm very open with my story. And I think that the more of us who are, the more that we can reduce stigma around struggling and uh, the more that we can return empathy to, uh, to our society. So Tell me as much or as little as you want to about your story. So there are a lot of layers to my story. There's the depression layer, the addiction layer, the self-harm layer. Um, so I, there's, there's really a lot to it. But, you know, I, I don't think that we're really taught how to cope with emotions in school. That's not something that we're taught um, to deal with either on ourselves or on other people. 
And I recognize that I've had a lot more laid on my plate than most people have that are twice my age. And there came a point where I just didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to cope. I lost both my parents in my early 20s. I was sexually assaulted when I was 16. I ended up in and out of really unhealthy relationships that just did not serve me at all and really did a number on my self-esteem after years of my adolescence being bullied and ridiculed. Because, you know, if, if somebody doesn't like themselves, they will find things to not like about you. And that's what, in retrospect, I realized is that it really had nothing to do with me. I just was an easy target because my parents weren't wealthy. I was kind of the lone wolf and I never fit in. And after my mom died is when I really started dabbling in cocaine. I'd done it before, but it was when I really started using heavier to cope with that loss. And the person I was with at the time not only supported that, but did it with me. So <laughs> I, I didn't really have any good influence in my life at the time. And I managed to get clean on and off, but it was, it was, it wasn't really because I wanted to get clean. It was just, I didn't need it in that moment. So I kind of went on and off of it for a long time. I did get clean when I was pregnant with my son and subsequently in the months following his birth, but then I fell into really severe untreated postpartum depression. So uh, the, I felt like the minute I could find some vice again. I just jumped right into another vice. So I just kind of switched one vice for the other. Either it was cocaine or it was pills or it was alcohol or it was cigarettes or something. And there came a point when I didn't know what to turn to anymore. And, you know, growing up, I had my parents. My parents were very loving, very supportive. I had a good home life. I had a very, very good family life with my, with my family. When I lost my parents, the only thing I really had was friends that were really far away, Lincoln Park, which I listened to to cope with a lot of my emotions and whatnot. And that was really all I knew was calling my friends constantly and listening to, to the music. And I think when Chester took his life, the lead singer of Lincoln Park took his life in 2017, I really didn't know what to do because that was the only co healthy coping mechanism I had. And I, I kind of lost control because I didn't know where to turn. I felt like everything that I'd listened to since I was 16 years old was a lie. All these things that I cleaved to uh, when I was sexually assaulted. I, I listened to music that night when I was in the shower. You know, the one thing they tell you not to do, take a shower. But I, I the album was out in my room and I was listening to it. And I was just sitting there trying to pull myself together. When my mom died, I just kept repeating the same song over and over for three days. Uh, sometimes when I when I would use and I didn't, I knew that I didn't want to, but I didn't know what else to do. Um, I would listen to the music and just try and gain control. I actually saved someone's life with a Lincoln Park song one time, but I didn't know what to do. I kind of fell apart and that ended up culminating on the ledge of a Canadian hotel room where everything in my life just compounded so hard. I'd been clean at that point for a few months from self-harm and cocaine. And I realized I didn't want to do that anymore, but I didn't know what to do. I'd seen the therapists. I'd uh, tried medications. God knows I tried medications. So many medications, probably every medication that hit the market, I had tried at some point and none of it really did any good. And I ended up on the ledge of a hotel room in Quebec, Canada, ready to end my life because I just couldn't take it anymore. I hurt too much. I didn't know 
where to turn or what to do. Everything, nothing really made sense to me anymore. And I was just done. Well, that's uh, an incredibly powerful story. Um, and you're very brave to share it, which I know you do often, uh, which is something that, you know, I, I definitely, I would say that that's what first attracted me to you as a person and someone I wanted to have uh, on the podcast, because like, like myself, you are very open with your with your struggles with addiction and with your suicide attempt. So thank you for, for being so open. I'm glad that you you made it off uh, off that ledge and not not by going over by stepping backwards. Before we move on to, to you know what happened next, I think you made a couple of really amazing points and you made a lot of amazing points. But uh, the first is, as, as you said, we are not taught how to deal with our emotions well uh you know something i say a lot is tell me why we have health class that deals mostly with you know sex ed or and what we what we put into our bodies uh we have pe physical education but we don't have mental health class and that's something that's starting to change but for our generation you're you're not that much younger than me we grew up sort of being taught whatever we could pick up and so we are struggling as a as a generation as a society with how to deal with our with our emotions you know it's interesting that people say oh you're so brave when you share your story but it shouldn't be that way we should all be talking and having this conversation we should all be sharing our struggles and stories because that's the only way that we're going to end this stigma if the schools aren't going to teach us how to cope with our emotions and our mental health we kind of have to just be there for each other we kind of really just have to have this conversation of this is what i need this is what's going on in my head. This is what, you know, you can do for yourself. Just in general, we need to be having conversations about physical health, about mental health, about addiction. It shouldn't be a shame. It shouldn't be something that we hide. It should be something that we can openly say, hey, I'm having a really hard time right now, especially where we are right now as an entire world. You know, when this, when this first kicked in, I noticed that my anxiety was getting higher. And at first I felt a little guilty because I said, well, I'm helping all these other people cope with their depression and their anxiety. And I'm telling them that it gets better. And right now I'm feeling anxiety and I'm feeling stress. And that imperfection started to, to weigh on me. Oh my God, like I'm not perfect. So that must mean that I'm, I'm crazy and I, I'm still depressed. And I still have this mental illness when really I'm human. <laughs> and just like everybody else, I have feelings. Things happen and we're gonna, respond to them accordingly but that's just the thing is it's important to respond and to not react i do what i do and i tell my story not just to motivate and inspire others to know that they're not alone in their struggles but to educate others of how to take care of themselves so that they have the best chance against not only the obvious threats of things like coronavirus but against cancer, against heart disease. My mom died at 60 years old from a heart attack. Now, 60 years old in today's society is actually pretty young. Now, in retrospect, looking at this, I said, this was totally preventable. This was absolutely her lifestyle and her diet stuff. And my theory is, is if I can save one person from going down the path I did with addiction, if I can save one person from dying of an unnecessary heart condition like my mom, then I'm happy. That's that's all that matters is that I help that one person that needs to hear my message, my story. But so yeah, you're standing at your window. Yeah. And I, I'm just gonna assume. Tell me if I'm wrong. That you consider that your your rock bottom. Yeah, that was definitely the lowest I've ever been. 
because so, usually you know you have that fear when you get to the point of of being severely depressed or you start having suicidal ideation there's that fear that exists that keeps you from doing it you have a fear of death and in that moment my pain became more intense than that fear of death so it was definitely the worst i've ever been so what what turned you around what what made you take a step back well i don't know if you're a believer i'm not so i i guess you'd consider me an atheist i don't really believe in anything but I was in Quebec, so if you don't know, Quebec is a French-speaking province, and they don't really have a whole lot as far as American cultural stuff. Now, I was there for a Justin Timberlake concert, but they don't really listen to a whole, whole lot of American music. They're very big on preserving French culture. And I've been in this hotel room for, at that point, three days. I'd left to go get food, and I'd left to go to the concert, and that's the only time I left. So I've been in this hotel room for three days. There was nobody there the entire time. I mean, you had to call when you got there to get somebody to come to the front desk. You had to buzz them to bring you like towels at the front desk. There's nobody at the front desk, no workers. Nobody was really out of their rooms. But in that moment that I was standing on the ledge, looking down, ready to jump, the cleaning crew that I didn't know existed turned their radio on just outside my door and it's playing Lincoln Park. Wow. That's, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, so I just realized I have no idea why that happened. I don't believe it was a coincidence. I believe it was meant to happen. I don't know if that was a miracle, an angel, my parents, Chester. I don't know what you want to call it, but it was enough to snap me out of it. It was enough to make me realize, okay, something something wants me here. Something wants me to stay alive even if it was my own mind you know deep inside i didn't want to die i just didn't want to hurt anymore i didn't want to jump i just didn't know what else to do and i was desperate so that was enough to bring me down that was enough to save me in that moment so so that that brought you that helped you take the step back you know as, as someone who I, i'm similar i i you know don't when i hit my rock bottom i kind of reached out hoping that that you know that's when whoever would take my hand and say my son you know i'm, I'm here to save you and obviously it did not happen um no angels no bright lights no feathers. bright lights and right. actually for me it was kind of the best thing because then i went all right i guess i'm alone in this thing and if i'm gonna get better i have to put my recovery on my back and i did so you know for you you heard the song you took the step back and then what, you know, what was the next sort of like, and now I can do this or now I'm going to, you know, whatever, what, what, what came next? Well, I fell apart on the hotel room floor. <laughs> that was my next step. It's not like I suddenly felt completely better and empowered and perfect. Yeah. I completely lost my shit. Like I just start bawling on the floor because now I'm sitting here going, okay, I can't do this because, you know, something's telling me not to do this. And I don't, I still don't know what to do. It didn't change the fact that I still had no clue what to do. And I really, I actually kind of had a very similar moment as you were in that moment. I felt comfort. So I didn't feel alone per se, but I did feel like, I, I, I did feel like I have to have my own back. I have to motivate myself. I have to inspire myself because in some strange way, it, it made me realize, you know, that music or Chester or whatever got me that far, but that wasn't really what was going to always be there to build me up. That song couldn't always be playing, just like, you know, Chester couldn't always be there. He lost his battle, unfortunately, and he couldn't always be there. And it was, it was really a matter of sitting with myself and saying, 
okay, you feel like you've done everything. Is that true? Have you really done everything? Did you really give yourself the best chance? When I was really truthfully honest with myself, I hadn't. I had done what I was told to do. I, you know, I'd, I'd gone to therapists for years and they prescribed me medication after medication after medication, as I said. And the side effects from the medication were just so terrible that I couldn't function. I, I couldn't have a functioning life on medication. It was constant panic attacks. It was, you know, my heart was racing. I hallucinate. And this was on even child's doses. I just couldn't take prescription medication. So I really sat with myself and obviously I had a very long flight home to kind of contemplate things. And um, I reached out to a few people, a couple of very close friends and a kind of mentor to me, Diamond Dallas Page. She, he's a friend of mine, was also a childhood hero. And he told me, you know, you got yourself into this mess and it's on you to get yourself out of it. Like you, and when I really reflected on that, I had created a very unhealthy lifestyle. And I feel like, yes, I could blame, you know, the people that bullied me. I could blame all of these different things for where I ended up. I could say, well, you know, people made fun of me. They told me I wasn't good enough. But let's be honest, look at Mark Zuckerberg. Look at Steve Jobs. Look at Bill Gates. They were kind of ostracized as kids. Did they let that destroy their entire life? No. Did they struggle? Probably. But they still became something. Like what other people do and say has nothing to do with your actual worth. That's just kind of a really ridiculous concept when you stop to think about it. Because the smartest, wealthiest, most beautiful people still get talked trash to still get cheated on, you know? So it was really just sitting down and thinking, what can I do for myself? This isn't about medication. This isn't about whether or not I take a yoga class. This is about how can I reconstruct my life to make it more conducive to be happy and healthy? Because if I want to be happy, if I want to be a healthy person, I have to make happy and healthy choices. If I'm constantly giving my body food that's not good for it, if I'm constantly being a disservice to myself, chances are I'm not going to be happy and healthy. I, I think I caught in there the, you spoke to Diamond Dallas Page. Was that, was that correct? It was. Yeah, him and I are friends. I got certified as a DDP yoga instructor. He has his own yoga program and I got certified as one of his instructors. So him and I kind of became friends and talk to each other uh, fairly frequently. So it was very interesting because part of what made me feel so alone was I had attached myself, you know, growing up as I was my parents' daughter. I don't think I really had a true pure identity of my own. I was either, you know, Tracy's friend or Donna's daughter or Earl's daughter or, you know, so-and-so's something. I was always something to someone else. And I didn't particularly have my own identity. And when my parents died, I felt like I lost a part of myself. And when I reconnected to my dad in that way, uh, when, I, when I started talking to Diamond Dallas Page, because I grew up watching wrestling with my dad, it was really the only thing that bonded me and my dad growing up. So when I, when I connected to Dallas, it made me feel like, I guess it really reminded me that those people that leave us don't really leave us. Just like, you know, Chester was still there. That song still played even after he passed away my dad still found a way of being in my life in the most crazy freaking ways. Actually, 
I, I take it you're a wrestling fan by your response to that. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not. I wouldn't. I was a fan when I was younger. I but like. Oh yeah, I, back in the day when it was good. <laughs> yeah, fair. But I, I think more. What person like our generation doesn't know Diamond Dallas Page? Like that's a right? that's a name you can say to pretty much anyone. They'd be like, what now? Like what? Well, even crazier was Eric Bischoff walk me down the aisle at my wedding. This is, yep, this is getting even more interesting. Yeah. So, so there's there's more layers for you, but it was just, you know, I think those things were meant to happen to just give me a sense of connection to something because you were talking about how, you know, we're in this alone, which is true. We, we really, at the end of the day, it's on us. Like my health is on me. It's not on anyone else. My mental health is not on anyone else. My self-esteem is not on anyone else. And if someone else threatens that, I have the choice to walk away from them. However, I also don't think that we're really meant to live life alone. We're pack animals and we're meant to connect to other people. So while we do have to take that personal accountability and responsibility for our own decisions, for our own life, I think still connecting to other people, even in this time of social distancing, actually I, I say physical distancing because you and I are socializing right now. We can still socialize. There's really no um, social distancing unless you want to. So I think there's a balance between personal accountability and still knowing that there's 7 billion people in this world and we can always reach out and connect to someone that's going to understand. So for you, one of those people was, again, Diamond Dallas Page. Dallas Page. <laughs> uh, you, you, you talked to him and you, you sort of had a, it sounds like a period of really self-inflection. That's really what the whole process was, was self-inflection. There was about, I think while it was bad at the time, Chester's passing really triggered my own awakening because I spiraled out of control because I didn't know what to do. I just completely and utterly lost my mind because I didn't know what to do because I felt like I lost this coping mechanism. I felt like I lost another hero. I felt like I lost another part of myself because I defined myself greatly by this music, you know? And I, I described a lot of my emotions through this music. So when I lost all of these things, I felt like it was really difficult. But then after his passing, about a little less than a year later, I ended up meeting Mike Shinoda, the other lead singer of Lincoln Park. And that really kind of motivated me to get clean off self-harm and, and cocaine. And then when I found myself on the ledge, because I really spiraled and hit rock bottom, when I came out of that, it really motivated me to be a better person when I came in. Cause now I'm sitting there going, I, my whole entire life is just insane. My life is just in shambles. When you don't have any of that anymore, you really are forced to look at yourself and say, who am I without all this? Who am I without the drugs? Who am I without this music? Who am I without the people that defined me? And I had to really spend several months answering that for myself. And I said, I, want, I went to school to be a mind-body wellness practitioner. I majored in holistic nutrition. I wanted to be a healthy person. And I was actively making choices to not live that lifestyle. And I feel like that was really, it was really my awakening. So you've been in recovery for, you said a year and a little over a year and a half now. Yep. And uh, I tried to get my, my guest to, tell my listeners like 10 times where people can find you so before we continue tell us you know shout out your website social media all that kind of good stuff yep so i'm on instagram at amanda webster health and you can also go to my website amandawebsterhealth.com 
if you sign up for my mailing list, I actually just started a private Facebook group called The Pack, which just has some of my uh, followers and I post workout videos during this time, motivation, things like that to help other people that are struggling with addiction, anxiety, depression, or just people that are looking to boost their happiness and be uh, more, have a more fulfilled life. So if you sign up for the mailing list, you get an exclusive invitation to that. And you can also download a free PDF that will tell you the top 10 nutrients that affect mental health. So going back to that whole concept of the mind and body being connected and us having such a disconnect for our uh, own well-being, there are actually nutrients that if you're deficient in them, it will exacerbate signs of anxiety and depression. So I put up a little free cheat sheet so that people can make sure that they're getting enough of those nutrients so that they're giving their mind and body the best chance that they can. And it also has obviously um, the foods that you can find each of those in. So if you're trying to improve your life physically or mentally, it's a really awesome starting point. It was a really good starting point for me, like I said, to just give my body the best chance possible. So when I knew, okay, I'm getting that balanced nutrition, at least I'm fueling my brain and body. At least I'm trying to balance the, the chemicals in my mind. So we don't want you to, to give them all away because we want people to sign up for your, your <laughs> Pick out just a couple for us that some of the, some of your favorite nutrients we may not be getting enough of to support our a good healthy mind. So my big one is omegas because I'm vegan and omegas typically most people that do get them at all will get them from seafood. So omega omegas were my big one, and when I started incorporating those, I already saw a huge huge difference. You can either you know get flax milk. You can add flax seeds to your oatmeal, to your smoothies. It's something that's super easy to add in to pretty much anything. <laughs> so that was my big one. The other big one that people talk a lot about with vegetarians and vegans is B12. And you can either take a supplement or you can get um, nutritional yeast. I put nutritional yeast either in my smoothies or on my little tostadas at breakfast time. A lot of the vegan cheeses and stuff will be B12 uh, fortified. So that's my two top ones that really anybody should be um, should be making sure that they're getting. But particularly, vegans need to pay attention to vegetarians and vegans because they will they will tend to run lower in it. But I, I'm great because uh, cauliflower is one of the big um, sources of of omega three fatty acids, and most people don't know that. <laughs> most people think of either fish or flax seeds, and I am such a cauliflower addict. That's my new addiction, friends. So, <laughs> but I, I I have to say to go from cocaine to cauliflower is probably a good thing, right? But say that's uh, one that we're okay with, right? So I think that that's more socially acceptable and good for me. So we uh we're we're, we're heading towards the close here, but before we move to my final questions, you're in Arizona, right? Yes. So if somebody wanted to, after this is all over. If somebody in Arizona wanted to you take, I assume, take a class of yours or, or anything else, do you do anything physically or is it all after this is over, before this was over or before this started? Is there anything that's physical or is it all online? Well, I did do some stuff. I would, I would teach, guest teach yoga classes. I would do the DDP yoga classes. A lot of that was traveling though, so I didn't do a whole, whole lot in Arizona. I like to focus more on you know, one-on-one clients. But I, th I think I will probably be getting more back into the face-to-face -face stuff after this, just because I, I recognize that people are going to be needing to have a little bit of real-life human 
interaction. So I think I will be doing a little bit more after all is said and done, but I'm also releasing my program at the end of this month that goes through step-by-step, step, you know, where I was, where I started, where I was on that, on that ledge to where I am now of being happy and fulfilled and being able to live this life that really just brings me so much joy. And I don't, I don't have those symptoms of depression really anymore. I do have some anxiety sometimes, but I was decertified as having a serious mental illness because I no longer met the criteria for it, which was pretty awesome because they told me that wasn't possible. I, I know this time has, has been really hard for a lot of people that, that struggle with anxiety and depression. And while I will be doing some, some group stuff once people um, start leaving their homes again, right now I think connecting like this online is really awesome though. I'm, I'm doing the one-on-one -on -one coaching um, just like this on video chat. And like I said, I'm, I'm going to be releasing the program so that people can kind of see the steps of how to get there. But right now, the, the, the biggest thing that we can do while we're in the house, while we're stuck here, number one, is make sure that you have some kind of hobbies, because not only is that going to help with anxiety and depression, but it's going to help with addiction like recovery it's it's gonna be really hard for you if you're stuck in the house with nothing to do but ruminate on on your cravings so I think you know really incorporating that making sure that you're getting enough sleep that's going to boost your immunity it's going to help you um it's going to help prevent further anxiety and depression and whether it be addiction or you know depression and whatnot avoiding the triggers and the red zones that was monumental for me when I was getting clean because I had two spots where I frequently got my, my supply. One was my hairstylist. <laughs> so I had to find a different hairstylist, unfortunately. And um, the other one was strip clubs, which wasn't such a big deal because I didn't go there all that often anyway, but I knew that I could and I knew that I could get it. So I really had to crack down and avoid anyone that, that tried to you know, persuade me into going to places like that. But it's really easy right now to fall into that cycle of of not taking care of yourself because you're at home and you you know you you don't really know what to do and that uncertainty in and of itself can start causing cravings and triggers and stuff. So yes, we're on a forced vacation, but we can choose to really enjoy it and make the best of it and come out of this being better people than we went in, or we can choose to go kill each other over toilet paper. I'm going to choose to become a better person and to really, I mean, I, I'm not going to lie, there have been a couple days where, where I started craving and I haven't been craving in months. And I, I started having cravings just from being tired and kind of stressed out in all of this. Number one, I start sleeping a little bit more so I'd be less tired because that was one of my big triggers for, for cravings. Just just really making sure that you're taking care of yourself with it, whatever that means. If that means watching a few episodes of your Netflix show, fine, but make sure that you have hobbies outside of your screens too. That's a perfect transition to our final questions. But before we do, I want to pause and again give okay. you a chance to tell all of the listeners uh, where they can find you and and I think you said something earlier about a, a free download. You know, everybody likes, likes that. So give that a shout out again. Yep, everybody loves the freebies. If you go to my website, amandawebsterhealth.com, you can download the free cheat sheet PDF for the top 10 nutrients that affect mental health. 
You can also find me on Instagram at Amanda Webster Health. And like I said, I do have that YouTube channel. I post weekly um, videos that just give kind of tips. My last one was 20 things to do while you're stuck in quarantine. It also talked about Harry Potter and how this uh, virus is kind of like the Dementors, not even the virus, but the environment that it's created. Anything that's mindful, anything that promotes mindfulness, because <laughs> the more you're sitting there just mindlessly scrolling, mindlessly watching a show, mindlessly doing whatever, the more apt you are to start craving, the more apt you are for your mind to start racing. So that's, that's why I practice yoga. I mean, I, I'm actually not all that flexible. It's funny because I teach yoga and I'm going to share a secret with you. I can't touch my toes. <laughs> so I am a certified yoga instructor that can't touch her toes, but it doesn't matter because I think the more important thing is I've stayed clean off cocaine for 18 months. And that, is, that is the much more important thing than touching your toes. Yeah. And Things like that are really what helped me get there, just incorporating healthy things into my life. It wasn't just the yoga. It wasn't just, you know, talking to Dallas. It wasn't just eating salad. It was really restructuring my life to be something that I was happy with. If you're unhappy, there's an underlying reason for that. If you're having symptoms of depression, yes, that might be exacerbated by the chemical imbalances in your brain. But there's a lot you can do to bring yourself higher on your own happiness spectrum. Because take it from somebody who was on the ledge ready to jump because she was so miserably, desolately alone and depressed to someone now that can honestly say, I wake up every morning happy and grateful to be here. And I'm living a life that I really resonate with. I'm proud of my life and I'm proud of who I am and I'm happy in my own skin. And it's sad that it took as long as it did, but I'm grateful to be here. That's a beautiful sentiment. Uh, so we close with, with two questions. Uh, the first is, tell us someone that is a, is a hero or influence to you that we should all go, whether it's follow or read or whatever the case is. And number two is, right, while we're stuck at home and all this, what is your number one self-care habit? I'm going to start with number two because... I wouldn't even call it a self-care habit, but don't drink because you're stressed. If you're going to have a glass of wine or a beer or something with dinner or after your, your work day at home or whatever, fine. But allow yourself to do that. I'm assuming that you are an adult and you have every right to do that. But don't drink because you feel like you need to. Drink because you want to, not because you're trying to avoid something, not because you're feeling overwhelmed. If you're having struggles, if you're having feelings, Allow yourself to feel them. It's okay to feel stressed out right now. Everybody's stressed out right now. It's okay to feel a little bit of fear. It's okay. It's all right. We're human and we're all facing a completely unprecedented and unknown situation. So especially because we're on a, a podcast that uh, I know a lot of your listeners struggle with addiction and stuff. I just think that is what I've really been telling people is if you're going to drink a little bit, drink a little bit, but do so because you want to, not because you feel like you need to. I have a rule with myself that I will never drink if I'm in a bad mood now. I do have a glass of wine every now and then, you know, with dinner or whatever, but I will never drink because I'm stressed. And, you know, I don't, <laughs> I have a, I have lots of heroes in my life. Obviously, I've, I've mentioned Chester. So anybody out there that has not binge listened to every Linkin Park album ever, go back and binge listen to every Linkin Park album ever. If you're dealing with anxiety and depression, the lyrics can really resonate and help you with that. And Chester's own backstory was really powerful. So I really, I really think that I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that music. So 
I really admire, you know, you were saying in the beginning, the, the strength and courage. It took a lot for that man to get up there night after night after night and perform for us while facing his own demons the way he did. And it's, it's sad that, you know, he lost his battle in the end, but that doesn't make his message any less important. He fought as long as he could. And that doesn't make his message any less important. So I'm really going to have to stick with, with Chester. And I know that that's not um, a, a shock to anyone. Well, that's uh, beautifully said. I appreciate you sharing that. You know, I'm always telling my son, who is really struggling to focus right now on his work and stuff. He's nine. And now everything is from home. So he's really having to focus. And that's hard for a nine-year-old. And I'm always telling him, if you want to be your own hero, you have to live like one. That's beautiful. Um, thank you so much for sharing that. Amanda, thank you so much for taking the time. This was wonderful. Before we go, please tell my listeners one more time where they can find you and uh, give one last shout at anything you want. Thank you so much for having me. This has been awesome. I really like just perpetuating this conversation, like I said. Nobody that is listening right now has an excuse to not go over to amandawebsterhealth.com. I know you know the, the URL by now. Or find me on Instagram at amandawebsterhealth. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast and then thought, oh, man, I just I don't even know where to begin? Well, I have the perfect answer for you. It's Anchor. They have all the tools you need to get started right away, all in one spot. You can do it from your phone or your computer. They'll even distribute for you so you don't have to go looking for places to get your podcast out. But the best part is it's all free. That's right. You can sign up today without any hassle at all. You can even start making money right from the beginning. It's everything you need in a podcast in one place. So check it out today. Go to anchor.fm or download the free Anchor app to get started. All right, we've reached the end of another episode. Thank you for tuning in to the Choose Your Struggle podcast. I hope you enjoyed Amanda's interview and the awesome shout out we got at the beginning. That was that was great. I love them. I really like having that. The people I bring on are experts in their field. This topic is what they do. But it's also nice every now and then to hear a little bit from people who don't work in the addiction and mental health field. Anyway, that's my thoughts, and I hope you enjoyed the embarrassing story from early in the podcast. I think it's important to show vulnerability, and you know, like I said, I really don't get embarrassed very often. I have a lot of emotions. Don't get me wrong. Embarrassment is not one of them. So that's why I told that story was that that's quite embarrassing. Anyway, I have a new pack to use today, which is awesome. Um, like I said, a couple weeks ago, I got another care package from Blurt and a couple different card packs were inside. This week's pack from Blurt, again, always want to give Blurt a shout out because they're awesome and you should all check out what they have to offer. This week's pack is called the Nugget O' Kindness pack. Nugget O' Kindness. And what I think is great about that is they're a British company, which means that, you know, there's got to be some Scottish people reading that. And that's what I want to hear, right? Some Irish and some Scottish people reading the Nuggets of Kindness. 
I'm not going to do the impression. I can't do it well. I will say I spent two weeks in Ireland when I was in college. And by the end, people were laughing at me unconsciously. I had just a twinge, a twinge, is that the word, of their accent. Because you can't be around it for two weeks and not subconsciously at least start to just, you know, just a little at the end of words. And I had fun with it. So anyway, I like this pack. Here is your card for today. It says, we're enough as we are, even when we don't feel it, especially when we don't feel it. We are worthy of all that's wondrous as much as any other person. And I think that's wonderful. I, I, I really think that's important. And more than that, I actually said that to someone earlier, late last week, I should say. That's me putting the cards away. Because I'm not going to go into why, but, you know, there was a long conversation where they were not feeling that way. We are all just as worthy of love as everyone else. So, yeah, really great card. Here is your good egg for today. This week, I want you to call someone or Zoom someone or text someone, whatever the case may be for you, that you haven't talked to in a while. We are all feeling very isolated at this moment, and you don't know. You don't know how much that might mean to that person. It's been really wonderful to hear from some people I haven't talked to in a long time who have reached out and said, Hey, I saw you posting about how you're, you know, doing your coaching and how you are just being there for people. And I really could use that. Do you have some time on your schedule? That's happened now with two people. Well, one person who I haven't talked to in over five years and one person who I haven't talked to in over 10 years. How incredible is that? And that takes a lot of courage. So props to both of them and props to you for for doing that too. Reach out to me. You heard earlier on the episode how, if you don't know by now, just go to my website, www.jayshifman.com. Reach out. Reach out to me. Reach out to someone that you care about. Let's get through this separate but together. All right. This is the end of of this week's episode. I'll catch you next week. I love you all. And remember, choose your struggle.